Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuckleberry fins? Alright, I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. Jason Schwartzman is on the show today. I like that guy. Nice guy. Do you remember the first time you saw Jason Schwartzman? Probably in Rushmore. Where you were like, who is that guy? Where did that guy come from? He's great. Had a nice conversation with him. So that's happening soon. Hey, you know what I don't do enough? Gratitude. Did I say that? Gratitude. I want to thank all of you people who listen and send me stuff and send me letters and emails and presents and records. I get them. I listen to your records. I listen to them once, maybe twice. And if they stick, I'll, I'll say something and I'll, I'll enjoy them and I play them more. I do give a listen to the records I get. I will tell you that and I appreciate it gratitude i'm doing okay doing better than okay i should experience i should get up in the morning and go like you know what it it, it kind of worked out it didn't look like it was going to and it is now so you're gonna have to accept that and behave properly stop complaining and not having a nice time how long do you think life goes on for man can't keep chasing shit and comparing yourself to other people sometimes i just want to split man i had to, like what so last week it was like i'm fucking done with twitter i'm done with all this bullshit just goddamn noise there's just noise everywhere draining demanding noise and it keeps poking at you the noise that pokes that's where we are culturally just this racket this yammering racket that is always kind of uh, pushing its way into you at varying degrees of intensity and volume. How many machines you got to turn off to get some fucking peace of mind? God damn it. Am I getting sick? I got sh- I got to shoot today. Oh, there's the dog. Sounded like somebody was torturing a monkey up the street just an hour ago. It was crazy. I didn't know what the hell it was. Either someone bought a pet monkey or they were torturing somebody. Then my neighbor Adam... Uh, said he had just t- taken his, he put it, he was washing his parrots. So that explains it. I was in the jungle area. I was in the, I was in the territory. I was in, I, I got the, the general tone of the sound correct. I made a mistake between a uh, complaining monkey and a, an excited parrot being bathed. Uh, I'd forgotten that my neighbor had parrots. And I was reminded of that as I woke up in the jungle this morning. Oh my God, today's the day, man. 12 hour, not 12 hour, but a 12 page day. I don't know if you guys know how TV works. What happened, here's how we do it. We're shooting about an episode every three days and we kind of go back and forth uh, in those episodes every day and shoot pieces of them. So, you know, an eight page day is a pretty hearty day. And our first day today of shooting is a 12 page day. And that's gonna be a lot. That's like, you're back in, man. And my life right now pretty much looks like what'll happen is like I'll get my lines in my head last night. Then I get up and I, you know, I'm on set all day and I'm running lines with my uh, with my co-stars. We're doing the scenes, you know, as many times as necessary. We just jam at it all day long. Different outfits, different scenes, different actors, uh, different angles, 
uh, get that coverage. Uh, hopefully we get some good stuff. We're, the two scripts we're doing this week are great. Um, and then like I, you know, I work 12 hours, 13 hours, come back home, shower, wait an hour, get the sides for the next day, start cramming those lines into my head. I'm in every scene, not complaining. It's my show, but that's the way it works. So it's pretty heavy, man. So I'm going to be underwater, you know, for about two and a half months doing my show and talking to you people. Won't be a lot of stand up, uh, maybe on Saturdays, but this is it. This is season three. We're in it. I'm excited. And uh, and I honestly am overwhelmed by the response to season two and even season one on Netflix. I'm glad you guys like the show. Okay, look, let's do this. Let's uh, let's talk to Jason Schwartzman. I never talked to him before. I always assumed he'd be a good guy, but he's a very sweet man. And um, he, I was I was thrilled to meet him. We had a nice time. It, it was like it was it was one of those situations where I'm like, you've, you're so familiar with a guy, and then he's like that guy. And that's always it's comforting. All right, let's 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 enjoy now. Uh, my guest, uh, Jason Schwartzman. I listened to your first um, <clears throat> Coconut Records record. You did yeah. Oh, I listened to it yesterday. Thank you. It's nice. It's nice pop music. Thank you. It's very sweet. But I can tell you're a gear guy. Because it sounds yeah. like some guy who sat there and did it. I love SM7. Yeah, the best. Um, it's a great mic. You like them? Yeah, I really do. Do you sing in them? Um, I've never used this mic to sing in before, but you see lots of people that do. Yeah, um, I, I heard Michael Jackson sings in these. Come on. Yeah, SM7s. That's what I heard. Really? In the studio. I've had everybody on these. Like when I record people playing music yeah. in here, and I, and I just, because I don't have anything. I can't mix. All I can do is ride levels. So. Right. So it's just going to be a, a mic guitar yeah. and that, and I have everybody sing on that. And to hear it with no, to hear singers with no filter, no yeah. nothing, this thing does it. It's, it's amazing. Best. What do you use it for? Uh, no, I don't. I don't have one. I want one. You do? Yeah. Just to have? Well, I would like to have a mic like this. Like that's, this can do anything. Yeah. And I feel that there's something indestructible about this. There and is. I like indestru- I like indestructible things. Yeah, sure makes a um, couple of things like that. The the fifty eight too. Indestru- that I have. You gotta have a few of those. Yeah, you ha- you should have a few. Yeah, you gotta do um, a few fifty eights. But I um uh I love gear, but it's sort of embarrassing because you know I uh, I would say that I spend <clears throat> like uh, any if there is free time at night yeah. to just sit there and my favorite thing to do is just look at pictures of. <laughs> Gear. gear and read about gear and yeah. what things do. Yeah. And then I watch a lot of videos. You do? I love them. <laughs> but then there is a moment too where because I'm not so, so <laughs> technically minded, there's a moment when it goes, it, it crosses way beyond what I'm, what I know. Yeah. Which is fine when I'm at home, but definitely it happens like at stores. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, is this this keyboard? So like I, I, I'll have heard about keyboards or I've read about keyboards that you know for years like I'm, I've been looking for one just to play one and right. really get your hands on it and I get there and I'm talking about it but I guess you know I'm enthusiastic about it but sometimes that can be misunderstood for not deep knowledge about yeah. it yeah. and like the 
sometimes a person will be so yeah oh I'm glad you know about this it's great <laughs> and plus we can double connect the yeah. oscillators of the thing and I and then I just sort of like then I'm too embarrassed to yeah. say that I don't know <laughs> you go oh you yeah, might, yeah yeah oh it's great yeah. Yeah. can you show me can you show me an example <laughs> of how that happened uh, so it's a little like that but um but I love it and it, not only that uh, I love gear and it's I I I buy gear it's my favorite thing to look for and invest in I mean I don't have crazy stuff but you have a lot of guitars it's also the most aesthetically beautiful stuff to me oh yeah you yeah i mean well, I, yeah we we're talking about that stuff inside yeah you, you, the eye for design on stuff is pretty amazing and most like photos like rock and roll photos yeah i typically don't like live looking photos you know yeah. like hendrix on stage no. i get that it's amazing <clears throat> to me i would much i much prefer seeing like Todd Rundgren sitting at the yeah. desk yeah. in his studio with his head in his hand, not getting it right or something. Right. And just so you can look around at all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, the amp in the background, sure. what I kind of pencils. I love it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Has he got a little stress ball on the. I love it. Yeah. Does he have this <laughs> hand? Yeah, that thing, the hand, hand. exercise. Wow. I'm not at this level. What, what, I don't know. What that's some, I don't know. Someone sent that to me. <laughs> so it's, embarrassing. It's hard, right? Yeah. I can't it's even close it. It's a hard one. Um, but I love, uh, I love it so much. And, uh, and I do believe in the idea that every instrument. You would write you write differently on each thing. Some people think, oh, I don't know if that's true, and it probably isn't for everybody. But I think each guitar or each pedal yeah. has a thing about it. Even if you can't, even if it's imperceptible, if you f if you feel that it has something different, uh, I think that it can offer you something. Well, that's the magic thing. You, you know, I mean, it's a, your, things do have magic if you invest it in there. You want a coaster, or you want to put the I'll you put it right here? Okay, we'll see what happens. This is a reverse coaster. Yeah, we'll see if it. I does, put it on nothing. If it, it falls, floats, <laughs> floats if it, over. If it doesn't doesn't end up in your lap, it's all good. It seems to go. It works perfectly. All right. Well, then I'm. I I've never seen that happen before. This is a first. You have stacked good. your coffee cup on the tape, but uh, yeah, I believe that's true. I think that some instruments have uh, you know, they, they whatever they bring out of you, it's what you. It, yeah. There's definitely magic to it. I've talked to people about that before. People believing in magic and believing what. If, uh, of course, that's going to provoke you. Each thing's going to have yeah. its own power. You have a lot of guitars. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you write the the songs. Well, I, at least on that record, they're all very different. So they all have a different feeling to them. And yeah. you know, I imagine that playing different instruments and and uh, getting different groove going with things. There's a little R and B on there. There's a little pop. There's sure. some sad music. Yeah, maybe well, even a country song. Well, that happened. Basically, what happened was um, I had been writing music but the way that i like to do it is um in pieces yeah. little i just sort of write little chunks of things yeah and then later i start to i assemble them and anyway i i usually record music with my friend woody jackson who if you want to see an amazing studio yeah if you truly are in the la if you go in deeper into the la area on melrose near larchmont yeah you should see this his studio it's called electrovox studio and it's Unbelievable! I'll show you pictures. Yeah. It's, oh, actually, the oldest recording studio in Los Angeles. That's his. Yeah, and um, his collection of uh, instruments and and just musical aesthetics has been inspiring. But, um, anyway, so I usually work with him. But I I ended up I had a bunch of songs. Yeah. And I uh, but they weren't songs; they were just pieces. Yeah. And um, I was I had I had been broken up with. Um, is it seventeen? No, this was now when I made my Coconut Records record. It was twenty five or four or something. And, so you've uh, done some acting already. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've been working. And I was in a band uh, called Phantom Planet that began in nineteen ninety four. How old were you? 
14. So was that the first thing that was before acting, really? Was you wanted oh, yeah. to be a rock guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, um, without a doubt. And you were a drummer? Yeah. Can you still play drums? Yeah, um, I can. I don't, it's it's such a, at least the kind of drumming that I'm interested in, and it's such a lonely instrument, because uh, I like to play songs like with people. You like to sing? Um, I was never a singer, um, that was never my, uh, I sing on the records because my little brother actually encouraged me to do it. Yeah. But initially I'd asked him to sing on my records. He's Your a brother. really good singer. Yeah. yeah. My brother Robert, he's a really, he's a real singer. You yeah. Know? He like warms up and stuff. Right. And, um, but I had never thought about singing. And I also, in my band, I was in a band that had three great singers. Yeah. So I never had to sing. Yeah. But I played drums and, uh, but I don't play them. I have some in my house. Yeah. But, if you play for two seconds, it's lonely. I want to play with people. Yeah. I want to play songs. Well, you got to play drums to a track or something. Yeah. it's. I mean, unless you're interested in pushing the bounds of rhythm. Right. Which, in theory, I am. <laughs> I mean, I would love to. I would love to. I mean, I'm not against it, but it's not, uh, it's not, like, it's not, not in your it's skill not, set. It's not, the, it's not my go-to way to spend time. <laughs> but uh, you were saying before that, like, writing songs or sitting with a guitar, because for me, it's very meditative. Like, yes. I can't sit quietly. Yeah. So... Like if I if if I play guitar for a half an hour a day, like it really gets me out of my head. Sure. And get, it, it's the best thing for me, basically. Um, and uh, the way that it's been for the last few years, ever since uh, I, I I had a kid, um, I have two children, but my first child came about four years ago, and the way that I used to make music was more loudly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I used to write walk around and hum things yeah. and sing them with an acoustic guitar into yeah. a tape recorder and, yeah. and such. Then I couldn't make as much noise in my house, so I um, I started to learn how to use my garage band and my computer, and, and you, you can use MIDI. Like, I'd plug in my MIDI keyboard and just use the sounds in it. And, yeah. I, you know, if you were to walk by me, you don't, you don't really hear anything, so right. probably me humming. Yeah. And um, I got into a process of writing and demoing at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I don't sit and make up music without a recording i write i do it i multi-track and i do it like i that's part of the writing but really what it is is it's the meditative thing of like layering things and coming up with a chord progression and it's to me it's the ultimate way to spend time and um at the end of a day i try to do it every day at the end of the day yeah and um for how long three hours is my minimum really so you're you're abandoning your wife and children for three hours. Yeah, well, they are asleep. Oh, so they abandoned me. So you do it in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, that's that's what I do. And um, and uh, I would do it in the daytime, but I, I I try to do it at night now. And um, uh, essentially, like they'll go to bed, and then I'll go out. And uh, I haven't done it in the last few months because we are our second daughter. But usually, the thing is that I, it's like people who go to a gym or whatever. It just feels so good. Right. Think about music and and also um, now with technology, the what you can do just sitting on your own for three hours is pretty phenomenal. It's really fun, and even if it's terrible, yeah, you have the, it. It's the best way to. It's the best way to um, spend time, even if you just are lear- learning how to play someone else's song or covering someone else's song. It feels good to do music, and uh, I think my brain feels. Um, uh, it locks. It feels good. Like it's uh, like you say. It's meditative. Yeah. And do well, you grew up with music? I mean, you, do you, there's music in your family. Yeah. Um, I grew up with music, but not. My mom's really into musicals, so like that. I grew up her picking me up from school, and it was like Into the Woods 
blasting. <laughs> she pulls up at carpool into the woods. Oh, guys, I gotta go. Sorry. Um, my mom loves it, but um, never like was like listening to tons of music as a kid, like in the car with my. Wasn't dad. her father? My dad listened to a lot of talk radio. Right. Wasn't your wasn't your grandfather a composer? Yeah, he was a composer. Did were you around for him? Did you see? Yeah. Him? Well, sadly, uh, he died when I was about. Ten or nine, I, I forget exactly, but what was his name? Carmine. Yeah, and um, but you remember him? Oh yeah, the best. Yeah, and and I, I am bummed that I didn't, I wasn't into music on on a deeper level then because I would have loved to have talked to him. But I always felt growing up that um, music was m- more, I guess, uh, my alley. I didn't think it would be like a profession, obviously, sure. at a young age, yeah. but. Um, Movies were so it was like Lethal Weapon, right? Uh, Ghostbusters, you know, just big blockbusters, yeah. comedies, all yeah. the Bill Murray. Yeah, and I, you know, I I hear people say in it that when they would watch movies, they would think I'm gonna be up there one day, and I I think that's cool. I never had that experience. Um, to me, it was just the excitement of going to see a movie and loving it, and you know what everyone probably does: you imitate the movies on the way home and stuff. You do the line, but I never. That was where it sort of stopped. You never saw yourself as an actor or no wanted way. to be a movie star. And I don't know if it also comes from growing up in L.A., well, gr- where a lot gr- of kids are actors. Where'd you grow up exactly? Westwood. Okay. But like also, like I, I mean, you know, you grew up in sort of a, a movie clan, yeah. right? I mean, was it, I don't know how the, the, the Coppola family worked, but I mean, was it a tight unit? I mean, were you around? Was everyone eating dinner together at times and holidays and things? Holidays. Right. Because they, they, my Uncle Francis... He lives up in um, oh, up the in Bay the Napa area. Valley right, area, yeah. so um, see him growing up more during uh, holidays, Thanksgiving yeah. mostly. And was that was, was that the congregating place? Was the that was Francis's place? It like, seemed to be, yeah. Growing up, but um, but great great memories and um, I but not a lot of like um, movie talk. No, uh, my 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 experience of growing up was um just a very boisterous um family yeah. and a, you know kitchen yeah. a lot of cooking and singing yeah um it seems that my mom and um her two brothers one has passed away the the level of musical knowledge is pretty incredible like yeah. um um my my uh, my uncle Augie who passed away his seemed to be very classical mm-hmm and I think my uncle Francis do, but but my uncle Francis and my mom have a real m- musical theater thing. Oh yeah, like if you say like um, I love this cup, this cup, this cup. He loves this cup. Like they, they <laughs> yeah. seem to know like a song about every, like from a musical about everything. Like yeah, this yeah. microphone, the microphone. He talks into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I, I uh, it's pretty, it's like encyclopedic and amazing. But so I think I grew up with more around that, like right, a kind right. of boisterous, but never like. Um, espresso and a deep conversation about, about, about like movies? a camera angle yeah, yeah i don't have i don't have that and um he can do it though i guess but, I could... but my the thing is that my my uncle and my mom it's um in terms of them specifically they um although they're associated with hollywood they're very like not into hollywood i mean yeah. he lives up there first of all but my mom is like not into hollywood culture and uh she loves movies and if anything growing up i think that's what i saw was um, just like wow, my mom loves movies so much more than other parents. Right, more like that. Like I'd come right. home from school and you could hear like echoing in my house, like yeah. a TV on, and I'm like up, oh. yeah, down in that room watching that. You go in there and old, oh yeah, old movies. Yeah, and 
so I think I saw like someone who loved stuff so much but um, yeah for me music was um, the best and of course MTV yeah and uh, I just uh, I felt that music you could do at home yeah and movies they seem like so big yeah and um, yeah we didn't I didn't grow up on movie sets or anything you didn't go no she didn't want anyone there who your mom yeah how's she doing good she's the best excited about, our last night about the grand well, I mean, you got a new brand she just called you got, me you got a new grandkid yeah she's <laughs> so excited <laughs> she's gotta be she loves her. it yeah. she loves it because she grew up with boys yeah two brothers and um and sons yeah and so to have daughters she's just like in heaven she's going crazy oh my god <laughs> She loves it. Yeah. Tap dancing and yeah. well, Esther Williams. Oh, really? Of, yeah. She goes way the back. Best. In it's the pool? A, yeah. Oh, yeah. Her, uh, you know, my mom's goes way. Her knowledge of, any, I feel like her knowledge of most things ends at like 1972, movie-wise. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in, in Hollywood and I guess, um, when was it, what, the, what was the first movie that you did? Rushmore? Yeah. But when growing, like I, it's it's always sort of fascinating to me that yeah, I mean you're younger than me, but there's this always these generations of kids who are actors, and you know you all seem to know each other because mm-hmm. you kind of do, and and it's mm-hmm. just like any other town where mm-hmm. people grow up. But who were your your peers growing up? Were there were they actors or were they you know did you where'd you go to high school? A school called Winward High School. Yeah, uh, in Culver City. Who are my peers? Like, did I know any actors growing up? When you were growing up, yeah. I mean, were there guys doing the same things, creative people that you were that you know you yeah, kept well, in touch with the whole time? Um, the only one that I uh, know, I didn't like I, because I wasn't in like an acting yeah. circuit. Um, but my best friend in high school, aim or one of my best friends in high school, there was a little group of us. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal was his best friend growing up since they yeah. were like four. Right. So I knew Jake. Right. Since I was twelve. Yeah. Not much has changed. Yeah. <laughs> He's always like the handsomest, <laughs> biggest guy. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that guy's got it. Yeah. You're he, still friends. Yeah. I I, I I I am still friends with him. Um, haven't seen him in a while, but you know. Yeah. But yes, yeah. I feel like it. You know, I remember going to dances, sitting on the wall. Yeah. Looking at him just dancing with like eight girls. Yeah, right. Going, that holy guy. shit. <laughs> how does he do that? Yeah, it's just natural. <laughs> Fuck, how do I, where do I, be, how do I begin? Where do I start? As so much is, so much is different about us. Yeah. You were awkward? Uh, I felt awkward for sure. Yeah? Yeah. I think I was awkward. I mean, I don't, I think everyone's awkward. Yeah, in high school. But, um. Junior high. The worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I felt that my school, I didn't go to a big enough school where they were like to your left you will find the people that are mm-hmm. the misfits yeah slightly over to the right those are the jocks <laughs> yeah it was a small enough school where you know it was like eight man football it was a smaller oh, right, thing right. and like yeah, we yeah. just got everyone knew each other everyone knew each other but within that they were like micro you know there's like micro a micro click of three sure yeah and <laughs> like um yeah but um i was uh, uh i liked sports and i liked music and uh but definitely, I think I felt I was definitely not doing well with girls specifically. Yeah, that was that was. What do you attribute that to? Them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, so like acting really wasn't on your radar until after high school. I mean, mm-hmm. what what compelled you? Well, what happened was that um, so I was in my band, and my band was like good. Well, that was what I was trying to do. I mean, was that was popular? what I was going- popular in L.A. I mean, yeah. yeah, for sure. In L.A., we would play. Um, we didn't really tour much because we were kids, fifteen and yeah. sixteen and stuff. But play in the L.A. area and sometimes San Francisco and San Diego. But yeah, we would play and 
lots of people would come and it was the best and then we got signed and trying to make records and who uh, signed you geffen yeah yeah geffen records before it folded and how how did that happen we got our demo tape to um this guy luke wood who worked at um at geffen at the time and um we had made a demo and he came and checked it out and we got signed yeah and how many did you do wild records yeah uh well we did we did one we did two on geffen and then there then we moved over to epic sony and then we did a few more there and i left did you jam with them yeah no with anybody no you you, you you're solo <laughs> yeah not not that's not my code like that I'm, I'm sorry you guys want to jam no no you don't know about me <laughs> just, i'm a just, lone wolf yeah just me and my gear <laughs> sorry you're talking to the wrong guy <laughs> you're talking to the wrong gunslinger you know. uh, i uh no i uh no i just what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to do it? Well, that's, I? I, but I want to too. Like, and I'm not, I don't play the kind of music you play. I'm just sort of a dirty guitar player. Yeah. But, uh, like, it's, like, but I, I wish d- I could do that. What I do wish mean? I could solo and stuff you and can't. play dirt. No, I can't solo. I play chords. Yeah, I know, but you know a lot of good chords. You know, like all the good minor Beatles chords and things. You know them too. You just got to move the fingers around a little. I just got to learn them. Yeah, I, well, uh, you learn that. I'll learn that a solo and then we could, like, I could show you some licks. You show me some chords. I, I wish. But you can just get a place. I mean, I'm, I've been beating myself up about it. And I know guys that play. I'm like, why don't we just do a weekend thing and yeah. go, go to a place and just play? But then that becomes its own thing. And then you have arguments and you got to decide what songs. And Truly. Then you always end up too loud. And then it just becomes this horrible blues jam for an hour. You and know, one guy goes to the bathroom and someone else is like sitting yeah. on his amp. Yeah, yeah. Rolls down the volume, <laughs> stops the buzzing. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's so you know, sad. Get know, a gumball from a gumball machine. <laughs> that's part of it. Yeah. That's part of the rock and roll experience. I always think the gumball machine is the worst, it's, but the best. Do you know Adam Goldberg? Yeah. You, what do you guys? You, why don't you guys get together in the middle of the night and play some shit? Who else? Have I got. I don't know who I got to work. I gotta. But he does the same thing you do in a way. He, you know, he's up all night. Yeah. Sitting alone in his house. Well, first of all, I gotta change the up all night thing, and I think I've been doing a pretty good job about it. Once you got two, it's like you know, there's no. I can't. No time. No. If they're uh, awake. If they're awake and at night, it's, it's you know, I got to get rest. Yeah. Got to be rested because right. I got to, you know, there's two of us and it wasn't like I was off the hook the first time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I was, um, I definitely um, like could stre- push my body a little bit harder. But I think also, you know, it's interesting to me, like people's creative habits. Yeah. And um, I don't know how much i can you can just be at the whim of your own like i think with two kids you gotta change your body around and also you gotta schedule a little bit sure you can't be as impulsive exactly well i'm never that's the thing is i don't like the impulsive thing i like the regularity of doing three hours a night i have all these weird rules three hours a night and then the next day never listen to what you did always do a new song and then at the end of four months, I put everything into iTunes and then I make playlists and I walk around and listen to them. To what you did. Mm-hmm. And that's funny because you'll notice weird things like, oh, for that, for those two weeks, everything was in A minor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was I thinking? You know what I mean? Or I was, you know, a you minor week. You see what you were kind of writing. Yeah, you yeah, writing yeah. Want the same thing. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. The thing is also, it's rewarding in a way that, you know, if, if you just put it on, you've created something that exists outside of you. It's true. Which is different than acting. You got to wait a year. It's true. Before, no, and it's absolutely. very immediately satisfying. That's the thing about it is, um, last year I was trying to write something and uh, sat down. I was sitting there for days and uh, it, it's it's a way more complicated and hard feeling because 
music, even if it's terrible, as you say, you can hit it. Yeah. And play it for someone, even if it's bad. It's yeah. sound. It's right there. But how you know? But a but a, a longer format type thing, especially it, reading, which just takes longer anyway for anyone. Music is so fast. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's harder to communicate. It's much more frustrating. It's and easier to say. I admire you. someone who d- spends eight years writing a novel. It's crazy. Uh, unbelievable to me. It's crazy. Unbelievable. And and also, there's so much more room for insecurity when you're oh, yeah. writing. You're like, no, I'm gonna. That's terrible. I know. I know. I know. And. And I think much more room for totally getting losing perspective. Oh yeah, because with music you can lose. You can be listening to something, your ears can get burned out. But I feel like you can reset it pretty quickly, and you can also play it for people. Right. But if you've written like four hundred pages of something, yeah. How do you ask someone to? Oh, I would. Uh, and how would? Yeah. How? It, what a I, chore! I, you I, have to be pretty close to that. I person. admire that, and 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 what the actual fine art so much. You, you admire the ability for someone to say, "Here's four hundred pages." Well, first of all, <laughs> I, mean, I admire anyone who can just read four hundred pages. I know. I can't read very well. I'm so slow. Fine arts too. Well, anyone who can like draw something, it's or paint. Oh, yeah. amazing paintings. It's mind blowing. How do you know when something's done? I don't know. Did you ever see the movie The Mystery of Picasso? No. Watch this movie. Documentary? Yeah, it's him painting. Showing him painting. In the black and white? Where yeah, he's, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen bits of that. I don't it's, think I... You should, it's get, get it because it's... You keep... You see... I mean, he does a painting many times and each time I'm like, that's done. <laughs> <laughs> and then he keeps going and makes it even better. Uh, so how'd you get into... Like, I know while we're on the music, so on the solo music, you did some stuff that was, you know, kind of got some airplay and was used in movies and you do, you track some stuff in some of your shows and things? Sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, Is yeah. that part of the deal or you just kind of throw your hat in the ring? Like, can well, I do it? When I, I did the theme song for Bored to Death. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure, I feel like I, I, I said, like, let me have a whack at it, but don't, it's not... Right, it wasn't other a deal. Other people, yeah. Right. But it was, that was a really fun experience... Ames been, is a trip. He's the best. Yeah. My best was my best friend. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he married my wife and I. Did he? Yeah. He gave a speech that was um so beautiful. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, he's a And uh yeah. Special guy. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. But uh, no, I um with that song I just like uh, I kept lying in these emails saying like, yeah, I've I'm, I've got an idea and it's got I got an idea for a song, and they're like, "When can we have it by this day?" I I won't have it, but I will. I will say that it's got this walking bass line. Like I kept throwing out like <laughs> to hold you over phrases, and then it was time to write it. I had to look at all my emails and see everything I had lied about already existing, and then it was pretty easy to write it because I had all these constraints, like walking bass line, some of these lyrics, this thing. Yeah. I was like, okay. What happened to that show? Uh, it got canceled. The way that just like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know. It's a unique show. It was a fun who, who show. Who knows why these things get canceled? And I will say that I I loved working at HBO. They were really cool. And um, I if they were like we would like to do it again, I would totally do it. And it was the best because Zach and Ted and yeah. Jonathan. It was, you know, those hours are pretty hard, but they're so much more enjoyable when you've got these guys that are just pros literally, and funny. Oh, like my face would just be hurting. And I know, like after some eighteen-hour days, I'd go home so tired go to bed and wake up so excited to go see those guys like almost like when you've got a crush on someone and yeah yeah it's the beginning and it doesn't matter and right just the bet you know the yeah. bet like what are they gonna say today yeah and uh, i loved it and uh it was it was sad and it was also sad because um jonathan was telling me all about season four yeah so i had this he had kind of had it all figured out and then when it got canceled 
there was no season four, and then I was so confused because what do I do with this information in my brain? Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. I've been something fantasizing about something. I know it was yeah. going to happen, but you know, yeah. that, I'm happy we even got the chance to do it. It's such a one in a million chance to like get the thing to go to get the script bot to get the pilot. Oh yeah, it's like you know the process is insane. Yeah, so even that, I and I truly mean that. It was like I'm so thankful we even got it. Yeah, but yeah, I would have loved to have had more. How do you? So how'd the acting start? It started. Um, in a very odd way, which is that um, uh, a few years before I was in my band, I mean, uh, before Rushmore, I was making records with my band, um, but I also had written a play because yeah. I liked I liked plays. And um, my my uncle Francis has this like a, this estate in Napa, and um, he's just a fun person who decided one summer we would have creativity camp. Yeah. So he put out this open invitation to everyone in our family, anyone who wants to come up, paint make short films, do plays, anything. I was so excited and I was I was going into my ninth into ninth grade and I was, yes, great. I wrote a play and um went up there and I we had like props and stuff and I got super into it. Anyway, my cousin Sophia, she directed a play. Yeah. And I was in I had like a small partner play. It was yeah. just all of us having fun. Right. It was the best. Who was the audience? Just family or did people come people in? People from Napa. Oh, they came. They came. Yeah. They, oh, at the at the final. How long did, yeah. was uh, one night? But yeah. you, you were up there for a week or so, or what? I was up there for uh, ten days. Okay. Yeah. Doing big. prep. Yeah, like prepping and directing, and it was just for fun, and it was really cool. And now, who was involved? So Sophia directed a play. She did one, and my uncle did one, and my cousin Christopher was in my play. Yeah. And um, uh, my aunt Allie made a short movie now where does does where does nick come into the family thing he wasn't he wasn't there yeah he's older like he's yeah uh he's a he's a little yeah he's older than me but that's not why he was there i think he's probably working was he around was he around when you were a kid um sometimes not yeah. as much i think he was really wor- i mean he was yeah. really trying to well, yeah, make was, it happen yeah, so yeah. you know obviously it's hard to do you have a relationship with him yeah very, yeah yeah really yeah i love i love him so much and <laughs> growing up <laughs> yeah, he was older than me, and it's like that. That guy's your cousin. And I was like, wow, that guy. <laughs> I didn't really know, know him at the time. My I was like, Fuck, this guy's the coolest. Yeah, right, you know what I mean. And right. Also, his um, you know, that's the, the, his his boisterousness and his um love for life and words, and that's my family. I mean, that's how everyone in my family kind of talks is loud and yeah, thoughtful, and so I was like, just thought he was the coolest. Yeah. And um, anyways, but. So you go up for the camp. So so I went up for the camp. Now, fast forward to, uh, that was when I was 15. So when I was 17 years old, I was in the middle of making a record. I was going to my senior year of high school. And um, uh, my grandfather, Carmine, who had passed away, uh, had written a score for a movie. And my uncle, to celebrate it, was going to have the score played live um, in, in Napa. And um, he was inviting... Uh, lots of people from San Francisco. It was a charity type mm-hmm. event, I believe. I'm not totally sure, but I wasn't supposed to go. Anyway, my mom was going, and last minute, she's like, you got to come. It's my father's music. You got to hear my father's music and yeah. this pe- this score. So I, w- I rented a tuxedo, and we went up. And at this party, um, there was um, a woman there named Davia Nelson, who was a local casting director uh, in, San in San Francisco. And... Um, because she's from San Francisco, my family's from San Francisco. She knew Roman, my cousin, and Sophia. And anyway, they were friends and they were talking. And my cousin said, "What are you? What are you up to?" And she said, um, 
I'm the San Francisco wing of this of the casting for this movie uh, Rushmore. And my cousin said, what's it about? And she said, it's about an eccentric 15-year-old who writes plays and has a crush on an older woman. And she said, oh, it's funny. That sounds kind of like my cousin Jason. And um, she said, really? And he said, yeah, he's right over there. And I and I had rented, I think, like a tuxedo with tails. Yeah. And I like, had a hat and a cane, maybe. It was just like a clown. Yeah. I was a like, you know, classic yeah. type of clown person. And um, she invited me over she said, come meet this, this is Davia. And then she walked away and then Davia started telling me what, that she was casting for this movie and what I like to um, audition. And I said, well, I, I am a drummer. <laughs> I'm not an actor. And she said, well, no, but Sophia said you were in her play and that you might have some things in common with this character. And I said, yeah, but, and also there's a little bit of a drummer mentality in full effect at this time, which is, are you sure you don't want to talk to the lead singer? Yeah, right. That that was sort of my like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. in general, that was sort of my high school experience. Right, right. Was um, the the middleman, the yeah. broker. Yeah, for yeah. a lot of right. for the other guys, for the girls. Support. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of that residue on me of I think you might have the wrong guy. Right. And she said, No, no, I think you should audition. I said, I'm not an actor. I never auditioned. Anyways, I mean, it's silly that I would even. But I. So I. I. She said. I said, I live in L.A. She said, well, that's where the casting office is. What's your address? We'll send you the script. This was on a weekend. Yeah. I got home, and on Monday, this manila envelope arrived with Rushmore. It was the first script I'd ever read. And I remember reading it thinking, holy shit. Like, this is everything that I love. <laughs> and at that time, I hadn't really seen a lot of movies that were what I was into. Right. It was more music that I was... Right. I loved movies. So and I, and I saw a, a lot of weird movies. Right. And I had a really instrumental... My friend, Brett Berg, who helps run CineFamily now, went to high school with me. And he was always bringing over, like, Human Highway, the new young movie, yeah. or Listomania. The, it was fun movies since we were in eighth grade. We were watching weird movies. Yeah. Um, but I had never seen, like, a movie that was a, that w- got me, like, the way music did. Right. That kind of fuzzy feeling. Yeah. When I was reading the script, I was thinking, holy shit, this is, like, a, everything that I... Th- that I that I think yeah about the, I really connected to it. Anyway, I called the casting person. I said, "My name's Jason Schwartzman. I met Davia Nelson in San Francisco." And she goes, "Yes, we have you down for Friday." I said, "So what do I do? I've never been to an audition. What do I what do I wear?" Yeah. And she said, "You wear whatever makes you feel comfortable." Okay. And um, because I was a clown, and because this was such a, it felt it didn't feel like a goof. I didn't think of it as like this is a joke. Yeah. But I definitely thought of it as. I'm not going to get this. Right. So what's the, you know? Yeah. So I, um, I decided to like get fully into the wardrobe of the character. So I got some khaki pants. I got a blazer. My friend and I, Mike, we made a um, patch, yeah. velcroed it on. I got really into like it. Like a shield mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, I basically, my attitude was like, I'm not going to get it, but I will be remembered. Right. How old and, were you? 17. Yeah. And I went in and there were a couple other kids dressed up in the same kind of outfit, which is definitely a bummer. I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Can't even make my big Guess show. Guess we all know this party trick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I sat in a room with a bunch of kids, you know, and it's definitely a feeling that I did not like, which is it's these right. other kids kind of sitting there, everyone's looking at each other. I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Um, it felt like every man for himself. Right. Which I don't like. I yeah. don't like competition. And yeah. I'm know. very competitive with myself, but not, yeah. I, don't, I don't, 
like to compete. And so I felt Why that, do you have a feeling like there's like you're going to lose? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah why exactly am I right. <laughs> why am I even here? Yeah. So I was like um so um anyway, uh yeah, like my wife friends and she loves to compete. Like she would say like when she was little she'd be on the way to like a soccer game and she'd just be like I can't wait to get there and get on the <sighs> field and kick their ass. And I I remember being a kid like on the way to baseball games dad uh, <laughs> I think I might <laughs> Yeah, have stomach infection. So you know, like <laughs> trying to weasel my way out of I'm anything. The same way, man. Yeah. yeah, I I I envy people that have a healthy sense don't of you? competition. Yeah, because <sighs> they don't beat up on themselves. They're, you're given like with your kids. What make sure they play soccer? Well, I'm trying to definitely. That was a big thing for me in my life was to not display that for my own children. Since they've been born, I've been trying to say yes to things that I typically would say no to. Right. A lot of stuff, which is kind of like fear-based right. stuff, because I I guess, I, you know, it's just basic stuff. I don't want them to overhear me saying, I can't go to that. I'm too afraid. What if yeah. I mess up? Right. I don't. Right. You, know, you think about it. I mean, in a way that I never had before. But, but you were forced to play Little League? Well, I loved it. You did? I loved it once it sort of started, but I didn't love being over there on the way to the game and you get out of the car and the smell of the grass and you hear like sound of a ball hitting a mat and like a coach going Johnny yeah try and hit the th-. I just yeah. like not into coaches yeah. like the whole thing was just <laughs> even now thinking about it makes me feel terrible yeah, I, yeah. but uh, I guess I also loved it too you know cleats yeah juice boxes there's yeah. something about it too I love yeah yeah um I just didn't like to have the pressure, you know, like that ball's coming. I know. Oh God. I know. What, yeah. the, what position were you? Catcher. Oh, so you, so you were stationary, kind of. Yeah. But it was a big job. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> but was, um, I was in center field, and I just sat out there yeah. hoping like nobody hit the ball. Yeah, there. I know. I know. I didn't like batting. I don't know. That's the thing. That's the thing I really didn't like. You didn't like it. No batting. <laughs> it's a ball. You're gonna get hit by I the thought, ball. I was like, Jesus, what am I? Terrifying. Get hit. <laughs> Why am I going to do this? I know. So what were we doing? What did you like about it? The juice box? I think that I liked, <laughs> I think that I did love um, the camaraderie. Right, right. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a solitary, I like lonely activities. Yeah. But I also love, like, I love to be on a movie set because I love everyone helping each other. Right. So I think there was something about that, that looking around like, all right, third base. Yeah. Shortstop. Yeah. Second base, first base, pitcher, myself. We are the infield. <laughs> I think there was something nice yeah, about yeah. that. As long as all the pressure is not on you, I think. It's, yeah. a, it's my feeling. It's like, I hope that the other guy... No, got... even recently, um, my cousin got married. And we had like a we had a family softball tournament. Like yeah. Our family against their family. Yeah. And I had to be catcher. And a ball got hit and way out in the outfield. And someone was rounding the base. And all I was thinking was like, please, please let this guy beat yeah, the ball yeah get get out please, please don't even let it be an issue with the boss to come in at the same time as this guy trying to cross the base like, um and what happened it came in right and i missed the tag <laughs> yeah so the worst happened it happened but it was okay we won oh good we won all right so you're sitting in this room with a bunch of guys in blazers anyways yeah i go in and um finally one by one they go in i go in and uh, wes anderson was sitting in there he's 27 and i remember instantly seeing he had converse sandals mm-hmm. which i had never seen before i'm Started talking about those, and then um, uh, this was 1997. In 1996, Pinkerton came out, and um, the Weezer record, and um, that was a huge record when I when it came out. Someone had like an advanced copy of Pinkerton, hearing it in a car, and it just it, I love the Blue Album, and that record 
blew the lid off my roof. Yeah. Pinkerton was, it was it. Yeah. And um, for me, and um, talking to Wes about Pinkerton for like 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. And it took my mind totally off the audition. And then he was like, should we read it? And um, I think I might have said, let's not. Let This was so good. It was so nice meeting you. Let's just leave it. <laughs> I don't good. care if I get And the I'll part. leave. Yeah. And uh, he said, no, let's read. And then... um. Anyway, we read it, and because it was my first audition, I didn't know if it was good or bad. Yeah. And then we started to improvise, and then he said, why don't you stick around for a little bit? I'm going to read some other people. And then he actually had me come in and be Bill Murray and audition people to play the Bill Murray's kids part. Right. And I went home. My mom said, how'd it go? I was like, I think it was good. I spent a few hours there. and A few hours? That's good. <laughs> and um, But she didn't really, you know, she helped me, by the way, for that week, like learning my lines and stuff. And then- Did she I give got, you any acting introduction? Just, she tried, you know, to, like, help me with stuff, but I th- I was so, it's so overwhelming. Did she teach? No, but she should. Yeah. She's good with the teaching. She's yeah. a great teacher. Um, And uh, anyways, then I got a, then I guess it got narrowed down t- to myself and a few other people because I was unknown. I had to do a screen test. Right. And um, I got, I did a screen test. Yeah. And um, I got the part. And it all happened pretty quickly, and they were saying, uh, yeah, you're going to be in this movie with Bill Murray. And it just felt like a dream. And, you know, I started my senior year of high school thinking I was going to finish my record, which I did. But I did not expect to be in Houston with Bill Murray, you know, at the start of the school year. And you grew up watching his movies. So, yeah. so And he's a pretty amazing character. Yeah, he's the one. Yeah. He's, he's the, the chosen one. <laughs> he's the golden child. And um, and you got along with him pretty well? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And... um. <laughs> And then, um, but I went back and I didn't actually think, well, now I'm an actor. I went back and I didn't have an agent. Or After anything. you shot? Yeah. I went back to school, kept, kept going on my record and, um, that was it, you know, trying to finish the, the record in school. Yeah. yeah. And then like what? Then- and it happened and it basically happened that I finished my record and then Rushmore and my album came out within a few months of each other. Yeah. And it was a little frustrating at the time because any press would say, ah, an actor, with a band, uh, with a band, and I right. was thinking, isn't it the other way around? Right. You know, I'm for me, I didn't care, but it was probably hard on my band. Um, but uh, that's basically how it started, and um, it was such a weird defining role. I mean, when yeah. you watch the movie, it's a weird movie. Yeah. There's no movie like it. No. And you're this guy no one's ever seen before. Yeah. And it's so defined in yeah. such a in the intensity of it. Yeah. I, I how, but it took a while before someone said, like, let's put him in another movie. Well. Uh, I don't, I don't fully remember how it all happened, but I, I just know that I, I didn't have an agent for a little while, and then I got an agent and started to get scripts, and it, it seemed like, okay, so is this, like, what, what is this plan now? What is the game plan? Yeah, you know, and um, I really was adamant about, I wanted to do another movie because I loved it so much. I also really wanted to make my band, like, to get the album out, to go on tour. I mean, these were things that I dreamed of since I was little. Yeah. So I was really trying to do both, and um, I think arguably I did both. I mean, I toured, and I was able to be in movies, and me leaving my band had nothing to do with wanting to pursue an acting career more um, obsessively. It just it was just its own timing had ended. But um, yeah, that's was it. Sad to leave. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I loved, I love, I loved the guys. I mean, I loved. 
the guys and I love being in a studio and making music. And I think the thing that helped make it a little bit better was knowing that, oh, just because I'm leaving doesn't mean I'm leaving music. I'm just leaving the situation. Right. Um, where honestly the touring thing was pretty, is not m the best lifestyle for me in terms of um, that, you know, being on the road and a lot of time during the day leading up to just 45 minutes on a stage yeah. seemed odd and I couldn't get lonely. into I couldn't get into a rhythm. Yeah. Um I'm much more of a homebody and I think I'm also more productive when I have my things around me and I'm yeah. trying to make stuff. There's a loneliness that happens out there where you're just sort of For sure. at a shitty hotel. Yeah. In a part of town where nothing is. That's the truth. You wake yeah. up you're gonna walk what? out in a parking lot you look yeah. around where am I? It's sad. Yeah and um I also, I grew up with brothers and I'm pretty good with sharing, but I think also it's just a thing of, well, who's, whose cereal is this? Yeah. Can you move this? But I just wasn't into it. You know, like who ate my cereal? And just like socks, socks and stinkiness. and a cereal just, problem. Just like waking up wet and not knowing with what and how. <laughs> One time the singer of my band told me, when we were on tour, he said, I woke up this morning covered in broken glass. Yeah. And uh, to me that summed up, the existential conundrum of, he's like, I don't know where it came from. There's nothing else broken in the room. I don't know why I have broken glass. And I was like, this is not a good life. Were you this guys not drinking? not what I was intended. Uh, they were, they were, we, we would drink. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. But not too crazy? Um, you don't strike me as a drug guy. No, I mean, I, I drink. Yeah. I love, I love to drink and, um, but more like at home. Yeah. More alone. Yeah, that's good. You drink alone. Yeah. When the kids are asleep. More like when you're recording. Or yeah, I, I don't like to. I don't like to have a drink if my kids are awake. That's the truth. And um, but after I like have a nightcap and watch Sports Center and yeah. do music and stuff. But um, I don't like a. I'm not like a. I was never a beer person. No. What um, do you drink? Um, I like tequila, vodka, or gin, just straight. Yeah. Nice. I love it. All right. So now, okay. So you're out of the band. You're an actor. Mm-hmm. And then, but like, let's talk about Bill Murray for a second. Did yeah. you, because you had to learn on the job, right? Yeah. Did he help you? Did Wes help you? I mean, yeah. what, because you have this sort of defined style, I which is who you are. I couldn't have done it without Wes. He was my, he's my mentor and he's my best friend too. And we still work together and, um, and he definitely, it was just like great timing because I think, you know, he really was asking me about what I thought about things and mm -hmm. showing me movies. You like know, I'm what? 17, I saw, like, I had never seen, I had never heard of Francois Truffaut. Right. And uh, the, that, you know, it's just like that mentor comes into your life and starts showing you stuff. And, and you're that young, too, so sure, you're very you're impressionable. So impressionable. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like someone who really comes in and is just enough older than you that that, that they're a mentor and just and they're not young enough old. that they're, right. yeah. And just showing me movies and he showed showing you me Truffaut. books. He showed you Truffaut? Yeah, Truffaut and, um, you know, like just watching uh, Martin Scorsese movies and mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, just kind of getting my mind blown, opening up a whole new world of, of real like cinephile stuff. Like that there was a whole, that there was a whole world of this stuff out there that that i could that i was i really felt like where was this well you know? it's so funny because your your uncle's got to be one of the biggest cinephiles in the world sure yeah but, but again, you don't have that relationship with him and he's your uncle yeah i mean now we talk about stuff all the time but it's not like a but not really even i mean i don't even it's 
yeah, I don't. Uh, it comes up just because he loves movies, but I don't go, hey, yay or nay, Truffaut. You know, I don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't get into that stuff. But, I saw. I saw your. But he loves movies. When I was in college, I went and saw his reissue or the the re-edit of that Abel Gantz's Napoleon with your grandfather's score. That, that's the score that I was going to see in San Francisco. I saw it played live with the movie. That's That was the same this, thing. Okay. They were doing. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. amazing that you saw that. Oh, yeah, with the triptych, what with the three yeah, screens. Yeah, three screens. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I was very was into amazing. it when I was in college. That's so, what a weird connection. That's, yeah. that's exactly the thing. That was 1997. So, But that's interesting. So it took Wes, because you know, I guess when you're with your family, it's your family. But I mean, you had seen your mother's work. You had seen The Godfather. Well, I only stuff. seen. I saw The Godfather first for the first time when I was sixteen. Yeah. Um. N- not before, and uh, I'd seen Rocky. Um. But um. And I loved it. Yeah. And um. And I was. My mom's very shy, and I. It was probably weird for her. Like you know, we'd walk around, and the idea, Yo, Adrian, was such a big. Oh, so they people would do people that. Shout show? it, and she's like, oh, thank you. You know, she's very embarrassed. <laughs> and I remember thinking at a young age, why is everyone saying this to her? <laughs> It's not her name. It's not who they might have. Why are they always confusing her? And, you know, then I, she taught me about it a little bit. But she's a very private person. And, um, yeah, but I saw, like, going to my uncle's, you know, like, he showed, uh, I saw, like, he showed Apocalypse Now once and to us and uh, to uh, to our family, a yeah. bunch of people, like, a new print of it or something. And yeah. we watched movies like, um, we watched Yellow Submarine when I was little. And this movie, A Prick Up Your Ear. Which Prick was, up your ears. Yeah, yeah that, I saw that when I was like with six. Gary Oldham. Yeah, I was like, what the oh. fuck? And um, so there were definitely things like that yeah. floating around, but more older movies. Yeah, I'm talking specifically like these kind of 60s, 70s. Sure, no, I things know. right, and, and that that was like, whoa, and you know, and then you start to get into it. But um, French New Wave movies. That yeah, for sure. Well, that must have helped you with Huckabees. Yeah, that's for a, sure. That's a for bizarre. Sure. It just yeah. got me into the world of paying closer attention to those things. Um, Art films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Was that the next big movie you did, Huckabees? There were a few in the middle, yeah. But I would say that that I really loved, right? Um, but that was, yeah, that would I would say would be the next bigger one. And like Murray, did he like what? When so you Bill were... Murray, yeah, he was like. So when I met him, it was very intimidating. Yeah, and um, as you can imagine, yeah, and um, and in the beginning, I think it was he was trying to get his footing, and I was probably f- freaked out and starstruck. Right. But after a while, I think that we, he really kind of, he really kind of got behind me and really helped me. And uh, I couldn't have done it without him either, you know, and his support. And for sure, Wes, I mean, Wes did a thing where I was in Houston, I was 17. He was two doors down from me in the hotel and every night he would have dinner with me and we would talk about the scenes the next day. I mean, he really helped me he's like a very specific like as he evolved as a director like i it, it's like every frame is a jewelry box or something sure, like yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like you're looking at some, yeah. some meticulously organized yeah. he has a vision you know totally a vision uh, yeah completely visual yeah. Uh, in a lot of yeah, ways Yeah, very much and it's 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 mind-blowing yeah i've never seen anybody construct something like that nor have i and um but it's uh it's really a beautiful thing to, to see and it, he has an emotional kind of similar thing where he has an idea for a, a tone that he wants to try to get, and um, I, I love him so so much, and I, I'm glad to say that our friendship and our working relationship to this day continues to evolve, and um, I think it's you know great when you can find someone that you want to that you can work with and that you want to work with over and over again because I think that there's less chit chat every time, right? You just get more 
deep or yeah. go to the work more quickly. Right. Oh, yeah, because you have a shorthand. And, and you're you less embarrassed. And there's a whole crew of those guys that come from Texas, isn't there? Sure. The Wilson Owen, brothers. Yeah, and, Owen and Luke yeah. and Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> and for sure. Bro- well, how many new movies have you done with them? Four? Three or four? With Wes? With Wes. Uh, I don't know. Oh. Let's see if we can figure it out. Darjeeling Rushmore, Limited. R- Rushmore. Rushmore. Um, Darjeeling Limited. Fantastic uh, Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Moon Kingdom. Kingdom, yeah. So five, oh and my I did, God. A, and I did a this short film, Hotel Chevalier. So yeah, like five and a half. And then you worked with, so you worked with David O. Russell on yep. that thing. That was that really, was amazing. Was it the best? Yeah, it's crazy movie. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it was so fun. I mean, I like that movie. Yeah, I'm not sure I understand like how someone decides to make a movie like that. Yeah, do you? Well, it was an amazing experience, and um, the thing that I I always feel so deeply thankful and or just blown away to David about and for was that before that movie there was another movie we were supposed to make yeah right after Rushmore I met him and he said I've got a movie idea and I'm, I'm, I want to talk to you about it and, and we sat down and it was this super in-depth um, movie about an ensemble movie and it was going I mean it had a crew it was a script and there was a, and I was pr- prepared to do it, and we were talking about it, meeting about it, having these meetings. And a few weeks before we started it, he called me on the phone really early in the morning, and he said, hey, I'm just going to give you the call first before I call everybody else. I'm going to s- say that we're not going to do this movie. I'm going to pause this movie because it just doesn't feel right, and I don't want to do something unless it feels right. I promised myself I wouldn't do it. But I promise you the next thing we do, you will be in it. I, I promise I thought, okay, well, thank you. I, I was heartbroken because I was so ready to do this movie. And did that movie ever get made? No. And um, and uh, what was it? Well, maybe he'll make it one day, so I don't ever want to like okay. say too much. But um, I, I, it involved a lot of um, um, a lot of music. I had written a lot of music for it. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, anyways, I still I stayed in touch with David, but I had gone on tour and a, a little while had gone by, and then. One day I get a call from him saying, where can I send you something? And I, then this package came. I opened it, and there was a script. It said, uh, I, I don't know if it said I Heart Huckabees. It might have just said Untitled David Russell Movie in a little note that said, Lovingly Crafted for You, Love David o. Russell. And I read it, and um, it, was the, it was I Heart Huckabees, and it blew my mind. And um, thus began our venture on that together, and it was about... A year of me going to his house almost every day, and we'd go on hikes together, and I would sit. He, he's so busy that it was hard to get like to schedule a meeting on the phone to talk about it. So I figured, what I'll do is I'll just go to his house every day and I'll sit in the other room and I'll work on this movie. And if he has ten minutes free, he can come in and we can talk about it and he can go back and I'll just be there. <laughs> and that's what I did. He was okay with that? Yeah, he was he loved it, yeah. And so it was great for me. I would just go to his house and I'd set up like in this like den T V room. Yeah. My script and notes and I would make questions and then if David is like, I got forty five minutes, wanna go for a walk, we just go for a walk and I'd kinda of go over what I was thinking yeah. about and that was how it evolved. It was amazing. And to this day, I kind of like the idea. I just like being close to the project. Yeah, that's very close. Yeah, it's extremely. <laughs> Too close. You, you become moved in with him. But I loved it, and um, it was the best. I have so many great experiences from it. And, um, you know, I met Mark Wahlberg, who is 
I don't know. Like, he's great. He's the coolest. I mean, he's, 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 he's really solid. He's amazing. He is. I love him. And yeah. uh, Isabella Huppert. Isabella Huppert, yeah. and who's amazing. And, and I mean, everybody was great. Naomi and Dustin. Yeah. Hoffman. Yeah. And um. And Lily Tomlin. Yep, Lily Tomlin, who, as you know. Dustin Hoffman. How is that? And Jude Law. Jude Law, yeah. The best. It's a crazy movie. It's the best. I, I, I had such a great time and... To me, it didn't. It wasn't crazy because I, I guess I just knew it so deeply at that point. You know, talking to David about it and what were the talks about, though? I mean, like w- w- because it, it's a, f- it's a, what would you call that a farce? I mean, what is that movie? That's it, what Dustin would always say. He's right. like, "Hey guys, it's a farce." <laughs> Remember, it's a farce. <laughs> like, is it? I never saw it as a farce. Well, what did you see it as? Um, I saw it as. Um, I, you know, you know. I mean, you must know what it's like when you get so hyper focused yeah. that you don't see everything. Right. And those are my favorite kind of movies, anyway. It's my life. Yeah. Ex- well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So yeah, I just I thought it was about this guy who was at a breaking point, who was starting to see all these coincidences, yeah. thought it must have meant something more, and who could he go talk to? He needed guidance, and he found these existential detectives to help to help him sort right. out his life. And um, it made total sense to me yeah. uh, because we would talk about it every day and we'd talk about coincidence and love and disaster and being confused and lost and sharing stories with each other. And by the time we got to shooting, it's, it was a very serious movie about, um, about a guy going to existential detectives. For you it was. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And working with people like, with, like Hoffman having, you know, like again, even more so than Murray, that you have this guy with this kind of, catalog of experience yeah, to see his process did, did any of that did you what did you notice about well it? you have all the kind of like typical young actor stuff that's really funny like for instance yeah you know i am dustin hoffman means a lot to me on many levels i hadn't seen the graduate till i was about to go do rushmore my mom's my mom read the script of rushmore and she was said i'll be right back she went to blockbuster yeah came back with three movies Harold and Ma, The Graduate, and Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. I'd never seen them. Yeah. And my life was changed instantly. And Another uh, mentor moment. Seriously. What was it about those uh, movies? My mom tour. Um, mom tour. Dustin Hoffman and The Graduate. Was, I couldn't believe yeah. it. I could see that how that would have an impact or it, be inform uh, Rushmore. Yeah, it was just I had never seen a lead character like that. Yeah. And um, anyways. Um, and Dog Day Afternoon? And Dog Day Afternoon was just insane because... To me, it was so funny. Yeah. He's so funny in it. Yeah, he's so vulnerable. Like, I know. It's, it's just like, like the last time you saw him like that. I uh, mean, I mean, when he's like trying to jump up and put like put something on the camera yeah. and, and the way he, if you watch the movie, like, there's a way he goes to the, he like takes out his gun. He looks like he's holding a box of fire. So he, what's that like? He's crazy. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just insane. It's yeah. like so unhinged. And what was the other one? Harold and Maude. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bud Court. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I love Dustin Hoffman and. When he told me he was going to be in it, I guess, oh my God. What about it. these young actor things? What were well, you so say? one is that I got this documentary that David had that was the making of Tootsie. Yeah. And um, I saw that he was wearing a blue Lacoste shirt and he had this binder, uh, like a binder with a script. And I said, I'm going to wear a Lacoste shirt and have a binder too. <laughs> um, and it's and it's great. You and, saw that in the Tootsie documentary? Yeah, yeah. And I said, I'm going to become that. Yeah. That's what I'm going to be like. Yeah. And I remember- For your process. Yeah. yeah. Like, just trying to figure it out, because I'm not a trained actor, so yeah. part of it's emulation. And, right. And, um, you know, also, my my father, he passed away when I was 13. Yeah. Uh, 13, 14. And um, so I learned how to shave from watching The Graduate. Right. 
Um, because he like right. he shaves in it a lot. Yeah, and um, so I like you, I I you know that's being a fan. You put a lot on people. So I, I, dude, I, yeah. I remember that Dustin came for this table read, and I went in the bathroom. I like locked myself in there. I couldn't come out. I was shaking, and um, but these young actor things are like things like I was so nervous. I got so into it. I was like going to uh, I flew I like flew out to Paramus, New Jersey. That's where the movie was originally set. And I stood outside of like a Home Depot and read poetry to see what that would feel like because that's what the character does. Right. And half people yell at me and I filmed it. I put a camera on a car. Like I did all this like dumb, not dumb, but stuff that was, you know, I was looking for an answer. Yeah. And that was the way that I would help me. And I would tell Dustin stuff like this and he'd go, really? You don't want to just do it like that? You know, he, it seemed like everything you'd heard about him wasn't true anymore. And I was like kind of embarrassed. <laughs> He was so easygoing, and and I remember uh, really? kind of being hurt. Like I saw this on the on the IR Huckabees. You've done all this method stuff, all this crazy stuff yeah. on the documentary for IR Huckabees. Yeah, there's this yeah. moment where Dustin's uh, talking about every actor in the movie, and he's like, "Jude is just fantastic, and uh, Naomi, and of course Mark is a revelation, and and Jason Schwartzman is so um, obsessive." And I wrote, oh my god, like, <laughs> I was, I was like, obsessive. <laughs> the fuck? I'm just trying to do what you were. I was just, you know, I learned. You know, you taught me everything. <laughs> it was a little like that, but I wasn't like emulating him. But it was, uh, but you were I was just looking for a method. Yeah, I was looking for something, yeah. and he seemed to be like a good answer. Yeah. Oh, it's so um, sad. But it was really funny. It was the best, and he's he's so sweet, and he's so goofy, and he. He really is, he was such a, he taught me so many things. For instance, the first day of shooting, David O. Russell wanted to change some lines around. Yeah. And he told me a new line. And then I went up to Dustin. I said, Dustin, just so you know, David told me to do these new lines. I'm just telling you. So then he's like, God's okay. So later at the end of the day, my first day of work complete, I went to his trailer and I said, Mr. Hoffman, I just want to say I'm so, so, uh, I want to say thank you for letting me mess around out there and yeah. and try those different things. And he said, are you kidding me? A take is the one place in life you can fail. Yeah. And uh, it, it was so sweet. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, you know what I mean? It was just, he's saying, don't worry about it. Just yeah. let it, let it rip. And um, he just, you know, he was so free and he loves trying things. Yeah. And uh, every take he's messing around and he's, and he's really trying to help everyone. And I remember there's one take, there's one scene in the movie where he said to me, uh, he, he like asks me if I want something. He's like, "Do you want this? Is this what you want with your life?" And I said, "Yeah." I couldn't get it right. And then, but earlier that day, he'd walked in wearing a really cool button-up shirt. Yeah. And then we were doing these takes, and it was my close-up. And then he he said, "Do you understand what I'm saying?" I'm, yes. Do you really understand? Yes. And he held out a shirt. For, he took out a shirt from behind his back. He said, "Do you want this shirt?" I said, "Yeah." And uh, he said, "Then come get it." And I walked off. But they they used the take of me saying, "Yeah," about the shirt. Oh, really? For like <laughs> me, so that yeah. kind of stuff. Like he's very helpful. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. So your father passed away when you were young. Yeah. And he was in movies? No, he was a entertainment lawyer and then a movie producer. But you have good memories. You yeah, know, he, yeah. You weren't so young. For sure. No, yeah. yeah. Memories are a tricky thing. I they're not I don't seem to have I don't know really what people's memories are like. My memories don't seem to be as uh they're they're vague and then some are super detailed. Yeah. Like I can remember what a pattern on a shirt was. Right. But in one memory, and then I have no recollection of something else. Of like bigger memories. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I wonder how that was loaded up emotionally in your head. Just, yeah, in general, it seems to be that way. With everything. Still, yeah. Like, the, you know, there, there could be huge events that are just gone, but yeah. you remember some shoes. Yeah, like, I'll, or I'll remember, like, uh, like what the layout of a room and where the bathroom was and right. where the exit sign was. Like, I can remember, like, weird things like that sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. But then I can't remember... Like, someone's like, yeah, we met. Remember, we talked all about this. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't remember I don't, that. I don't remember you at all. Yeah. So, I don't know what that attributes to, but... <laughs> I have that, too. So, I watched the, the new movie. Mm-hmm. We could, Obviously, I think we could probably talk forever. The, I thought it was great. Thanks. It was, a, it was kind of a, an abrasively... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> abrasive is the word. But but charming, somehow. Mm. I think yeah. that you have a, a natural amount of charm that's going to carry even the biggest <laughs> asshole through an entire film. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And... <laughs> But it no, it was uh, it was fun to play. I mean, this character was a guy who definitely never has a moment where uh, you're up supposed Phillip. to like him. Listen up, yeah. Philip Philip yeah. is in Listen Up, Philip. He's a pretty abrasive, relentlessly mean person at times, and but he never like has a moment where he like tries to be nice or um, tries to like say just kidding. Which um, honestly, like I think. I've done that in the past where it's just the way things work out is like you there is a redeeming moment or an attempt at a d- redeeming moment and I like this because there wasn't. He's very unsympathetic. Mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. it, it, and hard to like. It's yeah. a, it's a weird little movie in a yeah. way. It was seemed to be shot very um uh cheaply. Yeah, it was um well, it's funny you say because it was it, I haven't ever done like a GI Joe budget movie. Yeah. Um but compared to what I've done before, this was a very low budget for this director. This was like eight times the budget of his last movie. And B- how bigger? How did you get a script like that? Why he's he, you the the director? What's his name? Alex Ross Perry. Yeah, he approached you. Um, no, I got I, I was sent the script um, through my agent, and it came with a DVD, and um, I was kind of taken by it honestly because it was so much bigger than a normal script. It was yeah. way thicker. Yeah. Um, and I know it's an odd thing to have catch your attention, but, and I was kind of, I flipped through it when I first got it, and it was so descriptive. It looked almost more like a book. Yeah. And I thought, ah, that's what, someone took a lot of time to write this. <laughs> yeah. And I should, I'd like to read it. And, um, but, but when I read it, it was the, the character comes out of the gate saying some pretty harsh stuff, mm-hmm. and he's not treating the people around him very kindly. And, it kind of like rubbed up against me the wrong way. I I typically, um, you know, I love humor that is fucked up. Yeah. But I typically will gravitate towards someone who is not mean to other people. He just messes up situations because he's he's self got some problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I. Yeah. Uh, I don't gravitate to as much as like, hey, look at Fatty over there. Yeah, yeah. As much as like, mean spirited. Fatty trying to not eat bad, and then he eats bad, and he's got right. like food all over. You know, like I, I, I like um, more when it comes out of there. So these characters doing that, I was like, whoa. But there was something. It was so elegantly composed. Like really, the script was so beautiful. Like he would describe everything in the room and full of all kinds of details that were really odd. Like he would say. Uh, this, you know, he walks in the room, it is filled with this, 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 it is his birthday. But you never hear it's his birthday in the movie. Right. Just weird details. I'm like, this is a peculiar piece. <laughs> but I definitely felt like after 30 minutes of reading it, I'm going to put this down. Yeah. 
It's too claustrophobic for me. Yeah. This is too much. This is too. This character's got too much venom. Yeah. But after 30 minutes of being away from it, I was thinking, what's going on with him? I couldn't, like, I was right. addicted. So I went back and I read another 30 pages. I said, oh my God, I can't believe he would do that. Yeah. And put this away. And that kind of went back up and back and up and back for the whole day. And at the end, I thought, man, I really, I love this thing. Yeah. And I love that it never has that <laughs> redeeming moment. And it has some cool stuff, like... It's all about Philip, my character, but then it, all of a sudden it becomes about his girlfriend and Philip drops out of the movie and then all of a sudden it becomes about Jonathan Price's character and we drop out of the movie and that was unusual to me, like shifting the narrative like that. I mean, you see it sometimes, but it's rare. He's a hell of an actor. Oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. He, yeah, like I had, it was surprising to see him. Oh like I was God. like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, I was definitely very intimidated because he also, because I'm not trained and he's, you know, yeah. he just come from doing King Lear. <laughs> I just, I wasn't sure if it was like, uh, like, I wasn't sure if it was like, I, I have a car shop in a small town. I do my best, but there's no one really in this town who's going to question me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you need a new this and they're like, okay. And all of a sudden here comes like the guy who's like, you know, works, designs cars. He's coming into my, his car broke. He's coming in and it's like, like, is this the guy that's going to like call bullshit? But, um. But yeah, he's uh, amazing, and to watch him work, and also, you know, he was in GI Joe, and uh, our budget, our budget was smaller, and I was thinking, how's this going to be for him? There's no trailers. Yeah. There's no, there's no comforts. Well, they like to act. Uh, they like to act. That yeah. was what I was going to. Yeah, he likes to act, and it was a real lesson in being always being agile. Yeah. Like he doesn't need. He didn't need anything. Yeah. He doesn't need any fancy food or anything special, and. I think the less you need and the more quickly you can go to work and just pick up and leave. Yeah. Seems maybe the better. I mean, that was what was I learned from him. How long was it. the shoot? 25 days. Yeah, so he's in and out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like the movie and there was like the interest. Like it had sort of a, a Huckabee's kind of uh, tension to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's tense and we play this. The whole movie is sort of about these people in the worst part of their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, that was sort of always the idea was let's just show nine months in a terrible time for these people. And I think that that was freed it up to not have a cathartic moment at the end. Right. And, um, you know, it's it's in the spirit of those types of movies where the person at the end really isn't all that different from the person at the beginning. Um and like Alex was talking about like American Gigolo, like that movie opens with a guy driving, you know, in his convertible and it ends with him in jail. And in a way, it's a similar thing of a guy, like he doesn't, like we're not condoning the behavior. Right. Because he either. doesn't end up, I mean, if he had a cathartic great moment and everything, he learned something at the end, it'd be like, well, then it's okay to be this way. But right. really the girls are the only ones that get out alive. Yeah, that's right. You know, right. like the, the guys end up really screwed up. And um, th- it was a real, there was something so nice about doing that. And also... Playing like um, I don't confront people really in my life. I never had to do it. I, I think that I always got away with humor, which led into a passive aggressive right. type thing with people. With my family, I could say like that's bullshit. Right. But this character says exactly what he's thinking all the time, and that is not really me. Right. And um, it was fun to do it. So, all right, before you go here, I was over at Amazon yesterday mm-hmm. uh, pitching, and, they, and I told them I was talking to you today, and yeah. they're like, why isn't he going to be here today? 
or something like yeah. you know, he's, he, you're going to talk uh, to him yeah you're doing a thing with them yeah how many of you shot I'm doing uh, I'm, I'm uh, executive producing um, and um, writing a few of a TV show called Mozart in the Jungle and we have 10 we're do, we, that's including the pilot so we've, we're shooting 9 and next week we start the final one and, and you're a podcaster well, I I um, I play a part. Uh, it's all about classical music in New York yeah. and the scene and different levels of it and the high and the low and trying to get into it and and stuff. And I play um, Malcolm McDowell plays this guy named Thomas Pembridge, who's the former maestro superconductor of the of the New York Symphony, as we mm-hmm. call it. But he's now on the way out. But he's there as this kind of like like a like a leftover king or something. He's not really sure what his job is, and uh, in my scene with him, he's excited that he's getting an interview, um, and he's putting on makeup and all this stuff. And I walk in, and he's saying, "So we can put the cameras over here." I was thinking we'd set the cameras here. Um, the, you know, the BBC did it like this, and I think the light's very good. And I'm saying, "Oh, there's no cameras." Um, he says, Excuse me, as this is a podcast, yeah. and um, oh, wonderful. That's what he says. <laughs> And uh, thrilling, yeah. and um, I sit down. I have a podcast called um, B Sharp, yeah, and because um, because that's a note that doesn't exist. And um, my name is Bradford Sharp, yeah, and um, I'm a very quiet talking classical music uh-huh. podcaster, yeah, who's but who's really like you know I, I wanted to be kind of cool and stuff. He wears a leather vest. <laughs> And uh, it was really fun. It was amazing to work opposite Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, you're, you're getting a couple of good. English we wrote guys. this. We wrote this scene. Um, we wrote this scene where it's an interview, but he said, "Can we? Can you just interview me for real? Just you know, just let the cameras roll." And and I talked to him for fifteen minutes. Yeah. And he answered all these questions as this character. It was amazing. Wow. It was a thrilling moment. I mean, I, I was like, "Does he? Has he really conducted?" It seemed like he had really conducted. I was like, "Tell me about conducting Mozart." Oh my God, it's the best. I mean, you know, of course, you're in touch with God. I was like, it was it was amazing. So yeah, it was really cool. And well, that sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, it's been it's been is, hard but fun. What's your relationship with New York? Um, I don't live there. I know. I live in L.A., but my relationship with it is um. I've never lived there, as a matter of fact. But I hear it in your music, too, a little bit. About New York? Yeah, something about it. Well, I love it. As a, I, Both my parents were from there. My dad was from Brooklyn, and my mom was from Long Island. Yeah. Um, and I, um, it's still, because I've never lived there, it's, it's when I'm there, it's everything is beautiful to me. It's amazing, right? Yeah. I, I'm like, oh, look at these buildings, yeah. and look at that. And, the pace. And yeah, the... so I'm definitely like... Uh, it's a romantic idea. It's but... still romantic to me, yeah. even when it's not romantic, because yeah. for Bored to Death, you know, we'd be there for four or five months. Right. And, uh, you know, at the fourth month, I'm like, oh, I could go home now, but right. I, it's still amazing to me. And, it, um, there's nothing like it. That really, when you get not. within the city and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And... um the uh, the community of people that seems to be there it's really but it's funny because I have such a positive thing Alex the director of our movie it's funny because he was saying to me he's like yeah New York you know I want to show it's like cutthroat and it's claustrophobic and people walk slowly and you feel like shit and you want to get out and it's loud and you know people will take you down if they can and I love it and I'll never live anywhere else <laughs> and I was like wow okay <laughs> yeah, you know so that's how he sort of feels about it and mm-hmm. sees it and um I love it there, but I I love Los Angeles because I'm yeah. from here, and I think there's uh, I don't know, I just cheesy stuff like I like the light, yeah, and the yeah. way it feels when it starts to set, and I like the space, and yeah, it's cooling down a little. Yeah, I love it. So, um, what do you do today? What's going on now? Today, uh, I'm gonna go do a few lines for 
uh, Motor in the Jungle, some ADR lines. Yeah. And then I'm going to Chicago. Today you're going? Yeah. Oh, well, have fun. It's a great city. Yeah, it's the best. Good talking to you. I man. love Chicago. It's this great. was great. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun, man. You're you're a you're a great one. I appreciate it. All right, see that's a, he was a nice guy. What a pleasant conversation. I love that guy. So uh, what do I got to tell you? Go to wtfpod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get that app. Why not? 500 plus episodes, 550 something. I don't even know anymore. You get the free app and you get the, the most recent 50, always free, and then you upgrade and you can stream all of them. What else? What, do, did you enjoy the show? The music you hear on this show, the theme song uh, was created by John Montagna. And uh, the new music that you hear on today's show is by a guy named uh, DJ Copley. And uh, then there's my noodling at the end. But I, I just, you know, thanks for listening. I'm going to be at work all day doing my thing. I don't even know what a compressor does. Do you? Let me see. Hit it. I don't know. Do you hear any difference? We know what the phaser does. Hehehe. <laughs> Boomer lives!